All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. I'm speaking to you from Queens in New York City on this, the 8th day of October, 2019. I would like to remind you I'm the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and you can subscribe to my letter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, or you can call our office here in New York City during regular work hours, 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. Also, like to encourage you to consider picking up Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying, What is Chen Selling, especially if you're interested in the biotechs. Chen also uh, follows the oil and gas sector very closely, uh, has some very favorite picks there that have done very well over the years, uh, and he also follows a number of mining shares as well. You go to ChenPicks.com for that, and uh, OliverMSA.com for Michael Oliver's excellent letter. We'll be speaking to Michael in just a second. Uh, I do want to thank all of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel, and thank you for sending along your questions do so, continue to do so, uh, send them to questions for taylor at gmail.com, questions number four, taylor at gmail.com. Of course, we do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable, our sponsors for this week's show, Novo Resources and Great Bear Resources. Topic for today's show, Bob Moriarty talks gold, Irving, Novo, Maple Gold, and more. Bob Moriarty, Chris Taylor, and as I said, Michael Oliver uh, are my guests today. Brilliant. Risk-taker, outspoken, colorful, eccentric, controversial. Those are all words that describe Bob Moriarty. He is the proprietor of 321 Gold. Bob sees the American empire's expansion leading to the next global financial crisis and America's military-industrial complex pushing the world towards world war as America competes against China's expanding influence financed via trade surpluses. The impact of a more dominant China on the energy markets, the dollar and gold, will be discussed in the second half of today's show, along with several of Bob's favorite gold stocks, uh, including Novo Resources and Irving Resources, two companies that have been talked about previously on this show. Chris Taylor, the president and CEO of Great Bear Resources, which has made one of the most spectacular gold discoveries of the past couple of years on its Dixie property in the Red Lake District of Ontario, He'll be with us to help us gain a sense of just how big and rich that deposit might become. Chris will be with me right after our first commercial break. But, um, you know, I'm happy to tell you that ever reliable and more accurate technical analyst, the most reliable and technically accurate analyst that I have ever 
come across. Michael Oliver is with us right now to give us his latest thoughts on the markets. Thanks for joining me again, Michael. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. Always good to have you with me. Um, yes, you, you really help uh, help me a lot, and I'm, I'm quite convinced you're helping a lot of our listeners, too, just to sort of try to keep track of what's actually going on in the market, not the day-to-day fluctuations and the talk and the propaganda and so forth that we get every day, but, you know, what is really going on, and you're Momentum work and your structural momentum analysis seems to work really well for those of us that aren't trying to, you know, make short-term profits and try to take day traders and and short-term traders. I'm not sure. Um, But for me as a longer-term investor, your your work is extremely valuable to me. So I want to thank you again for taking the time to be with us. Um, Michael, on October 6th, you put out on your gold, silver, and mining weekend report, you stated that based on macro-technical factors, you think some major trends have just started in 2019. Could you talk a little bit about what those trends are and uh, well, what we should be watching very closely right now? Well, we, we everybody suspects, and they're right uh, to suspect it, that the major asset categories are, you know, will separate from one another uh, and, and possibly diverge, one causing another to go the other way. For example, the strength in the bonds since last December, uh, price up, yield down, uh, has been indicative of money leaving the stock market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now while the stock market right now has not dropped, I mean, we're trading where we were over a year and a half ago on the S&P, it has at least stalled. So mm-hmm. somebody's getting out. There's distribution going on. And mm-hmm. that money's going into T-bonds, and it has clearly also gone into gold. Uh, mm-hmm. August uh, a year ago, so 13, 14 months ago, gold has soared from 1160 to 1560 uh, without any help from the dollar index and so forth. So some of these categories that have not yet moved in a way that everybody can recognize, namely mm-hmm. the U.S. stock market and the dollar index, uh, I think are well, they will snap. And I think at this point in the gold trend, gold has done it on its own without mm-hmm. any commodity inflation, without any dollar weakness. It's gone, you know, a huge, uh, 30, some, almost a 40% advance. Yeah. Uh, I think it's waiting now in this congestion zone for a, a, a more noticeable movement out of the stock market to the downside. And I think it's mm. likely to happen. And when it happens, I think that will fuel the next move in gold as more and more money leaves that asset category and moves into T-bonds, which I think is a temporary further advance there, and gold, which I think is longer term. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think right now, when you look at the gold market, you probably should be looking more at the S&P 500 uh, so, and it, it, its actions. So, you it's, think, it's, so, so you're thinking right. that gold is probably not going anywhere right now? It's going to Until continue this congestion? It dislodges itself, yeah. I think now uh-huh. that it does, gold is waiting on some uh, echoing effects from other asset categories. It didn't need them up to this point. It's been a hell of a move uh, without mm-hmm. any assistance from outside markets. But I think mm-hmm. at this point forward, uh, getting, for example, we think minimum upside target for this surge is 1700 Actually, I think we're going well beyond into new highs. But for now, that's our next working target. It's a price-based mm-hmm. target, by the way. But I think going from the, the 1500 level to 1700 is going to be coincident with the S&P breaking down. And I think, therefore, all gold watchers should... Uh, turn their eyes out to the left mirror or the right mirror of the car instead of looking out the mm-hmm. windshield and watch mm-hmm. the S&P's action. And mm-hmm. it's getting wobbly. Uh, 
they rallied yesterday in the S&P based on some news story that there was some kind of trade deal going to be concocted, partial yeah. deal. Cudlow seemed to affirm it, and then uh, all of a sudden, eh, you know, yeah. the profit-taking took over. So anyway, mm-hmm. I'd be watching the S&P. I think it's uh, probably more important than watching the day-to-day in gold. Yeah. Well, Cudlow is just playing the same game he did when he worked uh, every day at CNBC, I think. He's, <laughs> he's out there. Uh, right. He's always always cheerleading the stock market and um, yeah. always cheerleading um, uh, uh, monetary expansion as well. So he, I'm sure he and uh, President Trump get along very well on that front. Oh yeah. Well, Michael, Michael, you know, you you mentioned that money's been going into gold and T bonds, and for sure, I mean, it's almost been a stealth move in gold. Most of my friends that don't pay attention to gold, they have no idea. They hardly barely notice that we've had this big move. In gold from 1160 to 1560, as you know. So money is going into gold, no question about that. But given the sheer magnitude of the markets, the T-bond market, the used treasury markets have to be an awful lot more money must have been going into those markets than into the gold market, I would think. And do you still see that playing out into the future, that that that's going to be the risk-off market to go no, to, the T-bonds no, and I gold? Don't, I don't, don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it lasting. Uh, we're still bullish on T-bonds, but we think at this point forward, the next surge, and I think we can make a new high, possibly an all-time new high, meaning an all-time new low in yields. Uh, I think this next surge that you get out of T-bonds, likely also to be connected to downside in the S&P, could be the last move for the mm-hmm. T-bonds. And at that mm-hmm. point, I think government debt then becomes a, uh, a liability to those people who think it's a safe place to be. At that point, if that occurs, uh, that leaves gold almost as the standout hmm. place do to you, be. Yeah, so so do you think that uh, what, what happens then if T-bonds, I mean, do you see actually interest rates going up because people lose confidence in T-bonds, they start moving away from it, and the unthinkable happens. I mean, everybody's predicting negative or zero zero to negative rates, nominal negative rates, even for the U.S. Treasuries. We see huge amounts of uh, negative interest rates throughout Europe. I think I saw somewhere like 94% of all investment-grade bonds are in the United States or denominated in U.S. dollars. So money is moving into the U.S. because pension fund managers and everyone is looking for positive yield, therefore pushing interest rates down, So and, and everybody's going to Treasuries. So it's hard for a lot of people to see this ending you know, it's hard for people to see that not continuing on forever because that's been the experience that they've had for so many years. But you're saying you think something could happen that no, could really dislodge it. We, we, uh, we see this, uh, uh, the next surge is likely po- and probably uh, an exciting surge. Um, and again, mm-hmm. probably inverse to a, a stock market down move. But right. I think at that point, you better get very wary of the T-bond move and uh, begin to put your hands over your ears in terms of the cheering you'll hear all around you uh-huh, <laughs> about how uh-huh. that's a good place to be. I think no. it could become very risky and yields could spike up. And that's a market force issue. It's not an issue of central banks. They'll be out of control at that point where the market will take over. And, you know, you know the numbers out there in terms of mm-hmm. the size of these debt trajectories of the governments and, uh, and so forth. So if it comes undone, it comes undone in a major way. And mm-hmm. of course, that would further drive stocks. So I think, in other words, we think going forward, let's say next year onward, uh, the T-bonds and stocks will be moving together, downside mm-hmm. price. Wow. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's going to shake the confidence of a lot of people who, who can't see that. And then what you're suggesting, then, there's not a lot of places to go other than gold and perhaps some other 
commodities, I suppose. And I think uh, the commodity complex, uh, despite a weakening global economy, remember that happened back in the, the late 70s, recall, called stagflation, uh, mm-hmm. we still see the setup for the Bloomberg Commodity Index as being a massive base for an upside move. Uh, we think oil could get trashed one more time in the process prior to that move. The oil's hovering above 50 right now. We think it'll probably go back into the 40s. But at that point, if oil turns back up and we see the grain start to move above some numbers and so forth, I think we could have a pretty uniform commodity advance in the wake of a secondary move following gold. Again, mm-hmm. this happened in the late 1970s. Gold mm-hmm. led the way by a full year, year and a half, and then commodities finally made a low and joined uh, mm-hmm. as a secondary. Mm-hmm. So why? Because they're, they're priced off the page on the downside. Right. So yeah. investors will perceive them as, as a low-risk place to be. Yeah. Well, it certainly is very consistent with Alistair McLeod's views that, uh, you know, with the, with the lower interest rates anyway, commodities start to become very, very attractive because they have a time preference implicit in them, just as gold does. And uh, gold's time preference value is, if you look in the forward market, according to Alistair, and you would know this as well, one and a half to two percent, perhaps, is an interest rate for gold, uh, for an annual interest rate for gold. So if you go below that, I mean, why would you ever want to hold uh, currency? That's the argument that Alistair makes. But it all makes sense to me. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for helping us out again uh, on these very, very important issues. Uh, is certainly There's certainly no reason not to be bullish on gold that I can see at this point in time. But I know one thing, this is what I'm depending on you for, is that when that day comes when you want to get out of gold, this time around, Michael, I want to exit gold and go someplace safe. If there's someplace safer than gold, I, will, I know that you'll help us find out where that is. I can't even okay. speculate as to how high gold might be at that point, but it should yeah. be way. Well, I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's a world we really want to look forward to necessarily. But better owning gold than not when those days arrive. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Jim. Michael. Thank you. Uh, well, folks, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away because Chris Taylor will be with me uh, to talk about one of the most exciting gold discoveries in the last couple of years or so, the Dixie Project in Ontario. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Chris Taylor. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really glad to have once again with me Chris Taylor. Chris is the president and CEO of Great Bear Resources. That's a company that's made a very significant gold discovery known as the Dixie Project in Red Lake, uh, in the Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. The Dixie is arguably one of the most significant gold discoveries over the past couple of years, although as significant as it is, it seems uh, it, given the massive scale of the prospective grounds still to be explored, the market still has no idea just how large and how rich the Dixie project will become, which is why I believe we've seen increased volatility. I mean, the share price has risen quite dramatically over the last year or so, uh, and, and understandably, people that got in a lot lower prices are saying, well, maybe we should take some profits, and I've had those thoughts myself, but every time I'm about ready to sell a few shares, Chris comes out with another press release that's suggesting, mm, maybe not yet, so... I'm really glad to have Chris uh, with me today to try to help us understand what, uh, how we should proceed with this uh, story that's yet to be defined. Thanks for joining me, Chris. No problem, Jay. Very nice to speak with you again. Really good to have you with me. Um, I should tell our listeners, uh, those that may not be familiar with Great Bear, I think there's maybe a few, but not too many. GBR is a symbol in Canada, GTBDF. You can buy it under that symbol over-the-counter in the U.S. Only 41.2 million shares outstanding. Earlier today, when I checked, it was $5.60 in U.S. money, giving it a market cap of around $230 million. Very modest, I would say, given the prospects. Well, Chris, uh, you know, we had this, the initial discovery was a very typical uh, Red Lake-type mineralization, vein, I guess, vein-controlled pretty much. Uh, high-grade, narrow, relatively narrow veins, but very exciting, and certainly Gold Corp. Um, I mean, the Red Lake mine was really the company maker for Gold Corp, and in many ways, it looked as if you know maybe you have something that's akin to that. And then, lo and behold, you find a second type of mineralization that makes this an even more exciting story. But I would like you to talk first of all just about this sort of the traditional mineralization that you discovered at Dixie Lim and Dixie Hinge, that really started, uh, really catapulted your, your share price from a few pennies, well, I don't know, 30, 40 cents or so, up into a, a couple of dollars. But talk to us about the initial discovery. And, you know, I'd like to ask you, what, what would you be doing if you hadn't made the, uh, the second type of, uh, uh, the discovery of the second type of mineralization there? You'd have a quite a project in uh, just with that, I think. But uh, talk to us about the two different types of mineralization uh, and where you're proceeding and how you're proceeding from here. Well, thanks, Jay. Uh, the Red Lake Camp is Canada's uh, quote-unquote high-grade gold camp. Uh, it's really most famous for generating very high-grade uh, gold mineralization in veins. And by high-grade, I mean frequently you have uh, intercepts uh, that would be several grams per ton uh, to uh, oftentimes ounces per ton in mm-hmm. terms of grade. And these are typically hosted in relatively narrow uh, 
very high-grade quartz veins. And these veins, um, despite the fact that they're not going to be any wider than your kitchen table on average, uh, these are what have produced over 30 million ounces of gold in uh, that camp. And also, um, with a discovery that was made under our uh, largest shareholder stewardship, uh, Mr. Rob McEwen, when he was in charge of Gold Corp, uh, the, the high-grade uh, style of mineralization uh, turned Gold Corp from a company of about Great Bear size or even smaller mm-hmm. into a global behemoth of uh, you know multiple uh, billions of dollars value. And that was because... Uh, even though these deposits go from surface down to great depths, often um, you know two to three kilometers vertical depth below the surface, mm-hmm. you can imagine the sort of scale of those things. Because of the high grades, this can be very profitable underground mining. And Great Bear um, was very much, up until about uh, six months ago, we were very much on that type of path. We had found mm-hmm. gold veins that were similar geometrically and in terms of grade distribution and physical footprint on surface to this high-grade discovery that made Gold Corp famous. So if we had not found um, all the other gold mineralization in these new zones uh, that we've subsequently been releasing to the market over the last six months or so, we would still be on track uh, Mm -hmm. to generate a very significant discovery. And as you mentioned, that brought us from a penny stock to uh, the couple dollar range um, even before all the latest excitement. Right. Right, indeed, and uh, I, I think one of the things that we talked about before was that the uh, the Gold Corp discovery actually occurred at considerable depth, whereas you just mentioned you were getting the same kind of mineralization, high-grade mineralization, at or very near surface, right? So uh, conceivably, you might be able to mine uh, that, or that may be mined sometime in the future much more inexpensively in a way than what would have happened, that w- what took place with Gold Corp at quite some depth. That's correct, and I, we had a, a, a substantial tour of the project recently over the last uh, week. I was there in Red Lake looking at drill core and what have you, and we were uh, touring some dignitaries uh, through the property, and that always strikes people when they first see the Dixie Project. Uh, it really strikes them because you're able to stand effectively on top of just a few meters of gravel, and the high-grade gold goes effectively right to surface just below mm-hmm. the So that's one of the aspects of our project, which is very unique and is obviously, in terms of the cost of extraction, something that the big mining companies are very keen on. Well, as great as that initial discovery, the Dixie Limb, Dixie Hinge, uh, traditional Red Lake discovery, then you come up with a new kind of discovery for that district, for that area, along the LP Fall. Talk to us about that new discovery and and why that makes this an even more exciting story. Well, the LP fault was a very large target. Uh, this is something that's uh, roughly about 20 kilometers long. Uh, wow. that we, uh, identified very early on uh, using high-resolution geophysics and some historical drilling that had been done across the property, which had intersected gold in what, you know, if you think inside of the usual conventional thinking, this was gold hosted in the wrong types of rocks. But we're not uh, sort of inside-the-box thinkers generally in Great Bear. We didn't care uh, what the host rocks were. We just followed Mm -hmm. the gold. And by following the gold in the drilling, we got into this new uh, felsic rock packet. And inside of sediments and these light-colored volcanic units, 
we hit high-grade gold going right to surface and within these big uh, lower-grade gold envelopes. So in our case, what we're seeing is gold that's up to many ounces per ton. I believe the highest grade we've seen now is about, um, it would uh, turn up in gram range to about 750 grams per ton. Uh, so it's definitely in the multiple ounce range within uh, effectively 50 meters of the surface. And that's surrounded by uh, the widest that we've seen, uh, multiple gold mineralization zones strung out, is over 500 meters of core length. It's incredible the scale of this target we're, drill- we're dealing with. And so far, out of the 20-kilometer-long total strike length, we've only drilled about 3.2 kilometers of that, but we keep hitting gold in every drill hole and every drill fence. And it's phenomenal to see something with this size and scale materializing in real time um, as we progress the drill program. Yeah, so you have these wide intersections of, uh, of you know, with, with occasional really high-grade uh, structures or, or high-grade, I don't know if they're veins, or veinlets perhaps. And But, I mean, we're looking at, for example, on, Oct- on September 30th, you put out a press release uh, talking about a couple of these uh, intersections, a couple of drill holes that you put out. And I'm looking at the drill holes. There was one, I think it was 42... 42 grams, 40, almost 43 grams over a meter. Well, that's pretty darn good. Um, and then you have a lot of other very wide, like I'm looking at 50 meters of 1.70, uh, 1.76 is a 41 meters of two grams, uh, you know, three or four meters of 14 grams. Now, those are pretty darn good intercepts, another half a meter of 100. And yet the market on that particular day, I mean, it was a pretty wretched market as it, as it was, but the stock sold off. Um, any ideas why? I mean, this to me is, was extremely good news. I thought this whole report was really good news, and the stock sold off. Well, you know, Jay, that's a it's a very interesting question because uh, Great Bear is uh, probably, and I don't want to get ahead of myself or toot my own horn too much, as they say, uh, but we have been one of the most successful exploration companies globally. Uh, there aren't mm-hmm. very many that can track us in terms of delivering price performance for our shareholders. So I think on the heels of that news, uh, it's excellent. Uh, First off, um, I just want to mention that uh, in the Red Lake area, as I mentioned, even if you only have gold inside of veins and there's nothing around it, most of the gold uh, that's mined in the area is less than two meters wide of less Mm -hmm. than 10 grams per ton gold. So Mm -hmm. you can look at the numbers that you quoted, 14 grams, 100 grams over a meter to two meters width. And you're mm-hmm. seeing gold mineralization, high-grade gold that's as good or better than what the mines are built on in the area. But that's mm-hmm. surrounded by these big low-grade brackets. So what that means is the potential for future low-cost near-surface uh, extraction is very, very good. And that's mm-hmm. obviously something that big mining firms are looking for in terms of uh, assets that they're very much focused on acquiring. But in terms of the market performance... I'd say if you look back three months, um, you had a company that was uh, trading in the 3 to $4 range. That yes. goes up to, I'm um, talking Canadian dollars here. Yes. You go up uh-huh. to 8 to $9, and then effectively, like, it's always tempting for people to take a bit of money off the table. And sure. I think that's what we're seeing. There's a little bit of weakness in the gold price relative to the 15, um, $1,500, $1,550 sort of levels we were at. It go, gold prices go down a little bit. People have made a whole pile of money on paper, and there's a little bit of selling, so people materialize profits. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we see in terms of the recent market action. Yeah, very understandable. And actually, when you look at the chart, it looks pretty normal. 
um, and and some uh, congestion here, some sideways movement is probably very constructive from a technical point of view. Chris, you mentioned large companies. Um, you're getting some interest, I suppose. And uh, are you allowing these companies to take a close look at your project yet? Uh, we've been entertaining a group of uh, technical analysts and uh, mining people through the project mm-hmm. um, fairly steadily over the last number of months. And uh, I was recently at the Denver Gold Show and the Beaver Creek Gold Show, and I have to say that my schedule was so inundated with meetings, I don't think I came up for air for about six days in a row. I think I had 85 meetings uh, strung out back-to-back. It certainly has attracted the interest of a very large group of um, you know mining-type uh, corporates and other uh, investment funds, other groups that are now keying into the fact that we have something that's uh, even globally very unusual on our hands. Well, Chris, I just want to make sure as a shareholder that you don't let this go too soon. How can you make sure that doesn't happen? (laughs) I think, Jay, one of the keys to that is drill, drill, drill. And, you know, we have more than enough money uh, in the till right now uh, with about, uh, in Canadian dollar terms, $17 to $18 million uh, to drill all the way through the remainder of this year and all the way through 2020 without having to finance again. And effectively, that means that the company is in control of its destiny over that time frame in the sense that we are able to drill and expand the system and find as much gold as we can and build that value up before um, anybody has leverage over uh, trying to offer us capital. And that means, effectively, um, things can go along on Great Bear's terms, which is really where the opportunity lies. And that's a very unusual position for a junior uh, exploration company to be in. All right. Well, just about a minute left here. Can you give me an idea of, um, you know, what your schedule is like? Well, can we expect ongoing drilling and results coming through? And, and can you drill? Do you expect to be drilling through the winter up there? Uh, gee, there's no difference. Uh, winter, spring, summer, fall, uh, we drill them all. <laughs> that's a, that's that's a good. corny rhyme, but it, it's exactly true. The, the project is located uh, less than a mile off a paved highway, so all of the gold that we're drilling now goes right to the surface. Uh, we're within a few meters of the surface, and it's all within uh, one or two miles from a paved highway, about 20 minutes from downtown Red Lake. So you can access, you can access the project all year long, and the drills just keep spinning. We have three Three rigs going nonstop on the project right now, and I imagine the rig count will actually go up in the near future because we have such a big system that we're exploring, and it's been very prolific in terms of the results it's generating. Now, are you putting almost all of your efforts into uh, the LP uh, structure there, the the new mineralization, or are you dividing it? How are you how are you uh, allocating the those resources? Uh, with the three rigs currently on site, all of them are on the LP fault in the various subzones. but we would like to bring in some additional rigs and continue the expansion and definition work on the Dixie Hinge and the Dixie Hinge sure. zones, the very high-grade Red Lake-style zones that go uh, right to surface. They're only about uh, less than half a mile away from the LP fault target, so uh, they're road accessible all year round, and we're in mm-hmm. the middle of a very exciting discovery process there. We'd very much like to get back at that at the same time as well. All right, Chris, could we expect some assays coming out in the next couple of weeks or so? I think the answer to that is all the time. <laughs> okay. All right, that's what really we'll makes it exciting. Well, yeah. we're, really, we're really looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Chris, for being with us and uh, sharing this very exciting story with our listeners. Thank you so much. All right, folks, well, we do, have to, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Um, 
I'm going to be back with uh, Bob Moriarty, the proprietor of 321 Gold. Uh, Bob is a very unusual person, very talented, very gifted, very uh, very eccentric, I, sh- I should say, and always a very interesting guest. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Bob Moriarty. A gold rush has begun. Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike Gold Rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corps. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQB, is a gold exploration company focused on their wholly owned Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Canada. Having recently made four major gold discoveries, GBR is now fully funded to drill 90,000 meters through to the year 2020 as part of a very active exploration program. Rob McEwen of McEwen Mining, a Red Lake veteran, is a significant shareholder following a recent $5.7 million investment. To stay up to date, visit greatbearresources.ca. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send an email to questions taylor at gmail.com that's questions the number four taylor at gmail.com now back to our program Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me a good friend, Bob Moriarty. Robert Moriarty was born in New York in 1946. He began training as a military pilot in 1965 and became the youngest naval aviator during the Vietnam War in 1966. With two years in Vietnam and some 832 missions in combat, he left the Marine Corps in 1970. He worked in computers for a few years before beginning a second career as a ferry pilot delivering small airplanes all over the world. He made over 240 ocean crossings, mostly in single-engine airplanes. He holds 14 international aviation records. Robert and his late wife, Barbara, brought 321gold.com to the Internet in 2012. And it is with great sadness that I have to tell you that Barbara, Robert's wife of many years, suddenly passed away just recently. So Robert is now in many ways flying solo in what may in many ways be a more difficult flight than any of the numerous ones he made across the Atlantic by himself years ago. But Robert has many friends, of which I am really happy to say I am one. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome him once again to this show. Thanks for joining me again, Robert. And again, let me, let me uh, express my condolences for your loss. Uh, thank you very much, Jay. You know, um, 
you you are quite a character, as I've uh, expressed to my listeners uh, in in my introduction in the first segment of today's show. But you are a person that is very determined to speak the truth, and you are not going to let people push you around and tell you, uh, you, you know, tell you what you have to think. And increasingly, we are being told what we must think or else shut up, essentially, in America. The First Amendment rights seem to be disappearing fairly rapidly. I want to get on to some of your favorite gold stocks eventually, but before we get to that, a few other topics that I'd like to pick your brains uh, on. One has to do with, uh, well, in fact, you sent a note to me before the show began uh, a couple hours ago. You said uh, that we must be sure to talk about the ongoing coup d'etat that's in progress so please give us your thoughts on what I believe is most assuredly, um, what I believe is most assuredly a phony propaganda campaign aimed at making America into a one-party dictatorship uh, by, well, I think by the people that are pushing the propaganda and the impeachment. But uh, what are your thoughts, Robert? Well, uh, you're absolutely correct, Jay. And it literally is the most important topic the most important political event in U.S. history. Uh, if you go back to uh, Eisenhower's farewell speech, mm-hmm. he warned us about the undue influence of the military-industrial complex. Now, he actually used the term congressional military-industrial complex, but one of his speechwriters says, no, you can't do that. You would offend too many people. Mm-hmm. And, And in fact, the military-industrial complex has run the American political system uh, since at least 1945. Eisenhower knew it. Mm -hmm. He warned us, and no one else has had the guts since then to do anything about it. John F. Kennedy uh, was furious at the CIA trying to drag the United States into a war in Cuba, and he said he was going to demolish CIA, and then magically he gets assassinated in Dallas. Now, before I say anything about coup d'etat, I want listeners to understand, I personally think Donald J. Trump is a jackass. He's a dunce. He's ignorant. He's a bully, okay? But he was elected president of the United States in a fair election. Now, there was cheating going on in the election, but it was not part of the Democrats. Now, I am neither a Republican nor a Democrat. I don't waste my time voting because I know it has no effect. If it had an effect, they would make it illegal. Mm-hmm. But the, the CIA and the FBI and the DOJ have been after Trump since before the election. They tried the Russian scam. The Russian scam didn't work. So now they're pushing the Ukraine scam. Now, here's what's crazy. Do you know who Hunter Biden is? Yeah, sure. The son of the the vice president. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what his qualifications are to earn $50,000 a month from a Ukrainian gas company? Zero. He was uh, a drug addict. Essentially, was kicked out of the navy or one of the arm one of the armed forces, I think, because of his uh, drug addiction. Well, this kid is so stupid. He not only was snorting coke just before he took a navy physical, which he flunked, and they kicked him out of the navy. 
he turns in a, a rental car and he left his crack pipe in the car. <laughs> Now, those are the new qualifications. If you're Joe Biden's son and you're a crackhead, you're worth 50 grand a month in mm-hmm. the Ukraine. And, and Joe Biden gets on TV and he brags yes. about strong arming the mm-hmm. Ukrainian government to fire the prosecutor who is going to investigate the company that, that uh, hired Hunter Biden. Yeah, so that was at the. Uh, the, the- yeah, that was at the Council of Foreign Relations, and it, uh, and I've seen it played and replayed many times, where he was bragging about how he was uh, giving them a, a few hours to fire this guy because the prosecutor was looking into Hunter Biden and why he was being given all this money. And uh, so they fired him, and, um, and uh, yeah, B- Biden uh, really bragged about how he used his power to get rid of this guy. So... Um, because he was investigating uh, some corrupt going on in, in the Ukraine. Yeah, but here's what's interesting, Jay. How could the vice president of the United States withhold a billion dollars in aid to the Ukraine all by himself? Yeah, he couldn't. As a matter he of fact, couldn't. in that same discussion, uh, he, he talked about how the Ukraine said, well, you're not the president, and Biden said, yeah, well, just give the president a call. Give give uh, President Obama a call. You'll find out. Yeah, exactly. So, so it, here's the key: Obama's dirty, Clinton's dirty, Biden's dirty, uh, Pelosi's dirty, McCabe's dirty, Comey's dirty, uh, Brennan's dirty. They're all dirty. Okay, and Donald Trump threatens their rice bowl. So, mm-hmm. so if you remember what. Uh, Chuck Schumer said, yes. he said, the, the CIA has six ways from Sunday to get back at you. And that's right. what this is. Now, here's what's scary, and nobody's talking about this. Let's say you have a coup d'etat, and it succeeds. Mm-hmm. What do you get then? Well, you get a military dictatorship. If they mm-hmm. learn they've got so much power that they can literally boot a president or kill a president, which mm-hmm. is what they prefer to do, uh, we're going to have a military dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say they don't succeed. They're going to keep trying. Yeah. Okay. We have, we have passed the point uh, of no return. There's no going back. There will never be another honest election in U.S. history. It is the end of empire. And here's what's scary. That's not the bad news. The bad news is I wrote a book in January, published it in February. I've been writing about it ever since. And I said the everything bubble is going to blow up and we're going to have a market crash in October. Now, do you know, do you know what Powell did today? No, I, I didn't follow it, actually. I saw he was on television here a little while ago. What did he say? Well, he announced QE4 without an uh. QE4, okay, it's over, okay, if you're not prepared, if you don't own some gold and silver, if you are not out of debt, if you are not prepared for what's coming, you're screwed, you've been warned, people have written about it, people have talked about it, and it's here. No. Well, uh, certainly gold is uh, having an okay day, nothing special. It didn't seem as if uh, the gold markets have really caught on to it that much. The equity market, though, isn't responding uh, 
as it has in the past when QE was announced, or is he not that clear about it to the markets? Perhaps it's a QE of a different uh, face. It, it looks like you can have your uh, you can have your cake and eat it too, perhaps. Um, well, he, he used weasel words, but it's QE. Yeah, weasel words. Oh, yeah. Face, face. yeah. Okay, let's go on to something okay, else. let's go on to something else. So we need to have gold. That's not a new message on this show. Uh, we, we've talked about a couple of your favorites and mine, uh, the ones that I own, and uh, actually uh, Novo Resources is a sponsor of this show, and Irving Resources is soon to become one, I understand. But uh, a couple of new names. Let's, let's uh, go to Maple Gold, exploring the Dewey Project. It's, it's a project, it's a company that I followed for a while, Got so sort of tired of it. It wasn't going anywhere. It has a lot of ounces, low-grade, bulk mineable project there in Quebec. Talk to us about that and why you like that one, Bob. Three bucks an ounce. That's what the market is valuing it now? Yep, yep. Uh, here's what's crazy. Uh, I am not smart enough or educated enough to come up with complex solutions. I can only come up with simple solutions. You just nailed it. And and the funny thing is, if I could have paid you to say that, I would have done it. (laughs) People are bored with maple gold. They've got about two and a half million ounces in Quebec. It's low grade, okay? They're bored. They sold it off, and you can buy gold at three bucks an ounce. I wrote about it now. It costs you four bucks an ounce to buy gold. Now, if you believe the price of gold is going up, you want the most leveraged gold producer you could possibly have. These guys have a resource now. They're going to be coming out with another higher quality resource shortly, and they got gold at four bucks an ounce. I mean, I, I don't think you can beat it. Now, I went out in the open market and bought a bunch of shares. I mean, they didn't do it, me any favors. I like the stock. I like the story. So I bought some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it trades in Toronto. MGM is a symbol. MGMLF in the U.S., uh, 227 million shares at 10 cents in Canadian money thereabouts, giving it a market cap of around, well, let's call it $23 million or something like that. So, well, that's one I'm going to take a look at again. Uh, uh, thanks, Bob. I, I, I had followed it for some time. Uh, I know the management, and um, we'll, we'll have a look at it again. And I agree with you, the leverage play, if gold is going up, once you get past the cost of production, from that point onward, you know, a stock can be of, of zero intrinsic value and then and then grow very rapidly if, if the gold price rises, which uh, I think you and I both believe almost certainly is will be the case. In dollars, the question is, what is the dollar going to do? But that's a question for another day. Uh, no, uh, you just you just raised another important question. Uh, gold is not going to go up in value. The dollar is going to go down. Right. There's exactly. a difference. And exactly. you're going to see gold prices like you have never dreamed. The, the everything bubble is bursting. I've been right about it. I've absolutely nailed it for 10 months now. It's here. You're going to see Deutsche Bank go under. You're going to see banking system collapse. We have bad times coming. You would either be prepared or you are going to be destroyed. All right. Um, well, that's uh, that's just the way it is. It's not that we want it to be that way. In fact, sometimes I cringe when I think about an equity market collapse and the things that might be coming ahead. But let's go on to uh, 
Novo Resources. I, uh, people know that one well from uh, Quinton was on just a couple of weeks ago. But give us quickly your thoughts on Novo. Okay. Um, Novo is a triple threat. They've got, God, I think 10,000 square kilometers around Carartha. Okay, that it's hard rock gold, it's nuggety gold, it's next to impossible to measure, but that's about 4,000 square miles of gold. <laughs> uh, Quinton has figured out how to recover the gold, and that's one of three uh, hits. You've, yeah. you've got Edgina, okay, which is a, a alluvial gold play, Yes. He's got 1,000 square kilometers there. Uh, he has figured out that if you use ground-penetrating radar, you can determine where the channels are, and the channels are very high-grade. And I, I wrote an article, and I came up with some numbers, and I was only using 5%. I've spent a lot of time talking to Quentin about it, mm-hmm. and going up there in two weeks. I, I would guess... The high grade is going to be more like uh, 10 or 15 percent. Oh, well, so you're going to be going up there, you say, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you when you come back after your trip. That would be great. Okay. Irving Resources in Japan, exploring for some really high grade targets there in Japan. Also, this is uh, Quentin Henning is very much involved with this as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, They have come up with one home run intercept already that it's Hitchcari grade and Hitchcari thickness. That was an entirely Greenfields uh, discovery. However, they're drilling at the OMU mine Mm -hmm. right now, and they have hit multiple veins. The the problem there is the news flow. Uh, Japan's a really tough country to deal with. There was no mining there for the last uh, 75 years, okay? So everything they do, they have to ship to Australia, and it takes months instead of weeks. They mm-hmm. had to bring in Canadian crews. It's very difficult to hire uh, Japanese. Uh, so there's lots of problems there, but Quentin uh, and Kiko Levinson have mm-hmm. already proven the project. I mean, the really funny thing is everything you need to know it's out in the public domain, and, mm-hmm. and the stock's still cheap. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I saw earlier today two dollars and sixty cents in Canadian money, forty nine point eight million shares. So uh, that gives you an idea of about one hundred and twenty nine million in Canadian money. So uh, yeah, relative to what they have, and and they have some pretty stellar shareholders there too. I think Newmont and and who else is in there? And uh, Sumitomo. Uh, correct. So uh, those are some of the major shareholders there. And uh, Akiko Levinson, go ahead. Eric Sprott. Eric Sprott, right. Akiko Levinson, of course, uh, is Japanese, and and, uh, that cultural thing is very, very important, I would would think. uh, Wouldn't you agree with that? Her her connections Uh, there. Yeah, absolutely. I I happen to think I, I just love Akiko. She is a wonderful woman. She is a great manager. She does not micromanage. She brought in the best people she could, and and it, it's going to be a home run out of the park. Well, we uh, I like that one a lot, and I think there could be some news, uh, perhaps finally some of those assays coming forward soon. What are you hearing? Uh, soon. 
soon. Okay. Well, I don't know what that means exactly, but we we hope another week or two, perhaps. Um, yep. All right. Well, just uh, my engineer says four minutes left. Uh, you, a couple of others are um, Arania. Arania. How do you pronounce it? Huh? Arania. That's Arania. Skull project down in Ecuador. Ecuador. He, Lost Cities project. It's called. He's looking for the Lost Cities. Uh, he's drilling right now. Uh, there will be results out in about six weeks. I love the project. I knew about it 15 years ago. I followed it closely. I, I have bought a lot of shares, and, and that's going to be a home run, too. Is that gold? Is gold, silver, copper? What are we looking for there? Yeah, it's gold. However, he has tapped into a, a sedimentary copper-silver area. Uh-huh. And, and I would anticipate it probably do a JV on that. Okay, because it might be a pretty large-scale system, I suppose. Well, okay, so ARU, symbol in Toronto, A-U-I-A-F in the United States, only 36.6 million shares, $2.57, 94 million market cap. All right, BlackRock Gold Corp. It's in Nevada, Silver Cloud Project in Nevada. Uh, with the remaining time, just tell us quickly what about what's the story there. Okay, I have actually been to that project. Uh, one of the highest grade gold mines in the U.S. was the Midas mine, the Kemp mm-hmm. mine. The Hollister mine was another mine in the same area. It's very high grade. Uh, they're drilling right now. They've made a, a new geological interpretation, and I think there's a good chance of it being a home run. All right, so BRC is a symbol, B-K-R-R-F in the U.S., uh, 59.4 million shares, 31 cents, so really a low-cap story, 18.4 million, and I guess it's it's still pretty early days on that, I guess, on that project, right? Uh, actually not. I mean, if their theory is valid, they're going to prove it in, a, in about six weeks. Huh. Wow. Okay. Well, exciting things uh, going on here in the in the um, uh, in the gold space, no doubt about it. I don't know, you know. Um, of course, it's one thing I, I like to tell my listeners and my subscribers. First of all, you got to own the gold bullion itself. These are, you know, the two different things: owning gold in the ground as opposed to owning it in your vault or someplace that you can get your hands on when you need it. Uh, the, but the upside can be spectacular for these companies when they are successful, right? And uh, we uh, look forward to it. Thank you very much, uh, Bob, for sharing your wisdom with us. Um, always a pleasure having you, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again sometime in the near future. Thank you so much for being with us. Very good. Thank you very much, Jack. You're welcome. Well, uh, folks, we do. Uh, this is about all the time we have for this week. Next week, Rick Rule, the Senior Managing Director of Sprott, Inc., will be with me. I expect to have a surprise guest. And with a little luck, Michael Oliver will be back with us once again. So until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 